for a minute here, uh, Nick and JT are going to pass out some little cards for you, for everybody. And if you need a pen, they have pens and pencils. And I'm going to give you a little assignment in a moment. But I want to talk for a minute about something's coming up, the ladies' retreat. Took this down from the bulletin board. And, you know, back when we were planning the, each one really, of the men's retreats, Adrian, back in January and last January, kept saying to me, man, this is no fair. I wish I could be part of that. And, and every time Adrian's working on a ladies' retreat, I think, us guys need that too. And that's a good thing whenever, whenever the content in these events is appealing and powerful. There's been a lot of work done and put in on this ladies' retreat that's coming up in two weeks. And one of the major themes, as Adrian has described it to me, is spiritual disciplines. And so we talked a little bit about uh, the idea of what is a spiritual discipline and that maybe we should tie in some sermons to help all of us think about this important collection of practices. So here's your assignment. Got, a, got your card and a pen or a pencil. Think of a verse, choose intentionally a passage of scripture that you believe will be beneficial for you to think about. It could be some, it could be your favorite passage. It could be something you've heard about recently. Maybe there's some area of your life that you know you need to focus on right now. Want to focus on being a better husband? Look at Ephesians 5. You want to focus on overcoming temptation? Maybe you look at Ephesians 6. You want to think about uh, drawing nearer to God. You know, think about the passages that, that you believe will help you and choose one. Choose one passage. And you can feel free to flip through your Bible or pull out your Bible app and choose that. But I ask you to do that and, and write something down. It's, you're not going to turn it in to anybody else. It's just for you. But what this series and this collection of activities is about is about doing. And so the idea of this is don't just say, oh yeah, that's a good idea, but do it. Do it, right? We want to be doers of the things that God wants us to do. Okay, so we're going to talk about how we engage with these passages. In this study, I've called this series Near, this study of spiritual disciplines. And we're going to continue this series not only in two weeks on the weekend of the Ladies' Day, but I, I believe I'll be continuing it on probably into next year, bringing in, sprinkling in some different lessons occasionally, thinking about the different things we do. Now, what am I talking about? What is a spiritual discipline. It's kind of a strange phrase. There's no list of them in the Bible. In fact, the word, the phrase isn't used in the Bible, but we find this idea that there are things we do, practices that draw us nearer to God. In James 4 verse 8, God says, draw near to me, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Well, how do you draw near to God? These are all acts of obedience and faith. Acts of devotion to God. And we can make a, a long list. The Bible is full of these things. We can look closely at the life of Jesus and think about what things did Jesus do that we can imitate. Look at all the people of faith. What things did they do as acts of devotion 
and obedience that drew them nearer to God and to his transforming power. These are inherently practical because they are practices. Sometimes we like to talk about big ideas and teachings and truths, and those are important. Sometimes we talk about the attitudes of the heart, even the feelings and thoughts of the heart. But these are things that we do. And as we do these practices, we place ourselves in the path of God's grace. We put ourselves, as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. As we come and put his word in us, as we spend our time reflecting on good things with God's people, as we come before him in prayer, as we serve others, as we do all of these things, we start to see that God is working, not, not because of, of our greatness, but because we chose to do the things he said to do. And when we do those things, we start to be changed day by day and blessed. So there's a long list of, of things we could look at. Here are some examples that I put together. Studying and serving, singing, submitting, self-examining, simplifying, sharing, praying, discipling, fasting, meditating, thanksgiving, confessing, and praising. Notice they're all ing. They're all these verbs. These are things we do. I'll ask you to think about where, what are you doing a lot of, of these things? And what is the effect of those things that have become an integral part of your life in your life? What is the effect of praying in your life? As you pray more and pray more the way the scriptures say, what do you find? You find you're drawn closer to God. Your whole life starts to be changed, right? As you sing, as you work to bring others to Christ, discipling them, what happens? You start to see yourself be more and more changed. That's what we're talking about. These are disciplines, and you can see the word disciple in it. These are things that Jesus trains his disciples to do, things that Jesus did, things that the people of God have done through time. And one of the things that maybe we don't talk about very often is meditating on God's word. Meditating. I think a lot of times when we think of meditating, we have this picture in our minds, right? We might think of, of like a Buddhist monk sitting on a mountain somewhere. And there is, there is something too, perhaps, this practice of, of emptying your mind, of thinking through things this way. Maybe there's value in it, but that's just not what... The Bible teaches when it talks about meditating, where, where this practice of mindfulness meditation is about emptying your mind, thinking about nothing, separating yourself, creating distance and detachment. Bible meditation is about filling the heart and mind. It's about connecting. It's about drawing nearer 
to God. It's about attaching yourself to something, detaching from the other things, but attaching yourself to God. Often there's a focus on the breath in this meditation that we hear about a lot. But when the Bible talks about meditating, what it's talking about is thinking intentionally disciplined, focused thoughts on particular things. And it's the things of God. It's the word of God. It's the character of God. We just, most of us, practiced meditating whenever we took the Lord's Supper. What did you do? You pushed out everything else. You slowed down. You silenced all of the other things and filled yourself with thoughts about Jesus, about what it meant for him to be scourged, about what he's done for us. It was a period of intentional deep reflection. That is the meaning of this word meditate. Like there is a Hebrew word that comes up a lot in the Old Testament. It's this word Haggah. And it's an interesting, huge range of meaning in this word. It can actually describe the sound of an animal. It describes a lion's roar, this, this low rumble of the roar of the lion, the coo of a dove. And it often describes those deep, guttural, from the, from the depths kind of sounds that people make, like the muttering or the moaning that comes. Have you ever gotten yourself, maybe you were really thinking through something deeply, a lot of times I'll be pacing whenever this is happening, and you realize at some point that you're talking to yourself. <laughs> maybe that's just me. Kind of a weirdo, maybe. But sometimes you get so deep in thought that you're focused and you realize that I just said something out loud. Who am I talking to? You're muttering because you're deep in it. Well, maybe that's a part of the origin of why this word comes to mean to meditate. It has that same sense of Maybe some sense of sub-vocalization or vocalization, but that sense of coming from deep within us, these thoughts. These are not passing ideas. In Psalm 1 and verse 2, famously, we read about the one who doesn't walk in the path of, of scoffers and sinners, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he'll be like a tree planted by the waters. In chapter 19, verse 14, David says this prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And my meditations of, there's my words and then there's my meditations. And I want my meditations to be pleasing to God. In my favorite chapter in the whole Bible, Psalm 63, there is this, this line in verse, verse 5. He says, my soul will be satisfied as with rich food and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips as he, as he longs for me. And he says, when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. 
and your right hand upholds me. You will be my meditation when I get up in the middle of the night and I sit on my bed and I'm thinking deeply to myself, looking out into the darkness. I'm going to think about you. We meditate on the Lord. We meditate on his word. We meditate in Psalm 77 on his works. Think of all the mighty things he has done. Think of him speaking a universe into existence. Think of him on that cross, taking, taking the weight of sin upon himself. Think of all that God has done. Spend time thinking about it. Bring that same focus and intentionality and pause that you brought to the moment of meditation we had around the Lord's Supper to other acts of meditation to reflect on these things. In Psalm 119, there's this, this passage, this meditation on meditation in the mem section of this, of this long acrostic poem. In verse 97, he says, oh, how I love your law. And he begins and ends this with meditation. Uh, it, it is my meditation all the day. I'm constantly thinking about it. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. But at the heart of it, there is this constant focus continually. What do you carry with you all the time? What are you thinking about constantly? For some of us, it's a loop of worries. For some of us, we're thinking about work all day. And that's important. For some of us, we're thinking about, uh, we don't have any space to think about anything except what's right in front of us and what has to be done. There's no room. But the psalmist says, I'm thinking about your word all the time. Why? Because I love it. You tend to think about what you love. You tend to think about what you love a lot. And I love your law. I love it. He goes on to say, it's like in this, this passage, it's like honey to me. It's, it's the sweet stuff. It's not just the bread that we eat. It's the, it's the Oreo cookies that we eat. It's the good stuff. I love it. And so we need to get steeped in the word of God. Bible study is really important. And, and we'll have at some point a lesson, a series of lessons maybe, on Bible study. It's worth real attention. It's one of my passions in life. It's like what we find Ezra doing, searching out God's law. Searching it thinking about it, and then doing it. it. Bible study is this, this process of research whereby through this intentional work that we do, we come to educate our minds, and we start to form a biblical, accurate worldview. That is not the, I don't want to draw too firm of a line, a distinction here, but that is not really what we're talking about when we talk about Haggah, when we talk about Bible meditation. It's informed by our study, 
But meditation isn't just about educating our thinking, our, our perceptions, and our, our worldview. It's kind of like taking that word and lowering it down the well to the depths of our heart. It's about soaking ourselves in God's word. It's like, like making, how many of you guys are tea drinkers? Anybody? Tea, tea people? Okay, we got a few. Some of you will know what I'm talking about here. Lots of coffee drinkers, I'm sure. Don't worry, I've already had my coffee today. But I'm going to think about, got some Earl Grey here. Think about this idea of making tea. I like to make tea in the afternoon. And if you're like a lot of coffee drinkers, maybe, maybe your coffee or your tea is very weak. And then you just add milk and sugar and all kinds of other things to it. And it's really not much of that substance, right? And it's just, it, it's fine. And maybe we can approach the word of God that way sometimes. Maybe we fill ourselves with all kinds of other things, fill our thoughts with all kinds of other things, and there's really not much actual word there, and we don't really want the flavor of it full. What we can do, if you don't really like tea, is you could take the bag and just dip it in and take it out. And how much, oh, that's some good tea right there. So strong. Give me my caffeine boost this afternoon. No, no. What do we got to do? We got to take it and put it in. And you, you soak it. And you let the water get into the bag. And you let the bag flavor, color, and smell become part of the water. That's what we do when we meditate. We take the word we sit with it and we walk with it and we talk about it we let it ruminate we let it saturate us and begin to change not just the way we think about some things but to shape our affections and our will to where no longer do i just know that's a good thing to do now i now i have decided that's what I want to do. I see, as you see, Lord, how good this is. The more I, I soak myself in the word of God. It is a powerful thing, but it is easy. I'll tell you, I'm guilty. It is easy for me to, you know, I try to start, I have this rule, scripture before phone. So every day, before I can go do anything else on my phone, I make sure I open up my Bible app and I go through and do some time with the word. Only sometimes it's just a check mark on the way to the other things. Honestly, sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to, you know, read through this passage. Good. Spent that time in the word moving on. Or reading plans. We can sometimes just go through. And reading plans are great. We're reading through the gospels. And this is such a powerful thing to get to know Jesus. But you can say, okay, I got a, I've got a lot going on. I'm going to just get through that real quick. There's the begats. Scream through that real quick. Instead of slowing down and soaking in the word. Because God has something to say to you. In the word of God, we hear his voice. 
It's not far from any of us. It is available to you to hear the word of the living God. Last week, we talked about the, the burning bush and Moses before that ground. And what did he do? He said, hey, God, what's up? You know, nothing big. I'm going to, good to see you and move on. No, he took his sandals off because it was holy ground to be in the presence of God. And you're not going to see a burning bush today that won't be consumed with fire. But you can, just as much as Moses, come near to God. But if you just take it as, as just, it's just words, if you just look at it as things on a page, it's just ideas. But when instead of just a bunch of words from the English language, we recognize that in this word, we can draw near and encounter the living God in his living and active word, we will approach it differently. And when you pro... I heard this quote once from, from a poet. When you pay profound attention, profound things can happen. And when you pay profound attention to the word of God, it, it does a profound work in us. God has promised. He is at work in his word. Many of us here could, could stand up and tell you about how holding on to a verse of scripture and thinking about it over and over again has changed our marriage, our parenting, our approach to particular temptations we used to struggle with. Our, you just take the word and you think about it all the time and it has power. In Hebrews 4 in verse 7, the Hebrew writer says, he quotes the Old Testament and says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden yourself against it. And then he says, the word of God is living and active, able to cut joint and marrow, soul and spirit. And before this word, we are pulled bare. We are naked. We start to be totally seen and realize who we are, he says in verse 13. And then in chapter 8, he says, and this word... It's not like in the, in the old days. This word in my new covenant is going to be written on your hearts. Well, how does that happen? It happens because we steep our hearts in it. And God does something with that word. word. In Isaiah 55, there's that great invitation to come. And he says, listen diligently to me. Hear me. This is how you come to these waters. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But my word will go out and it will reach you. And he says that we, if we seek the Lord while we may be found, while he may be found, we will find him. In John 8, verse 47, Jesus says to these, these Jews who weren't hearing him, weren't listening to the word that he was bringing. He says, whoever is of God hears, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Jesus says, I'm speaking the words of God, but you're not hearing the words of God. 
If you're of God, then listen. Listen to him. And he says what you're going to find when you listen. In chapter 15, he says, I am, I am the root and the whole vine. And you are a branch on that vine. You have to abide in me. Make your life in me. I'm where you live. And whoever abides in my word, and my word abides in him, I abide in him. I make my home with him. Whenever we, whenever we take in the Lord's word and live in it and sit in it and do it, the Lord is with us. My mom's favorite band is this, this old country group, Alabama. And every once in a while, Adrian and I will realize, usually we're kind of telling on the other one, that, that we're in too much of a hurry to get things done. Or our family is just run, run, running. And we'll put on this song. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I got, really got to do is live and die. But I'm in a hurry and I don't know why. And it's just a reminder. Slow down. Slow down. We not only take that approach sometimes to our time in the word, like a dip in the word, but if our life is approached that way all the time, then we will not find time to soak in the word. We don't have room for it. We got to edit down so we have room for God and his word to flourish in our lives. We have to be hungry for God. We have to desire him and we have to slow down and listen. I think sometimes we think that this change into the person God wants us to be is going to be like Superman going into the, into the phone booth and coming out Superman. Clark Kent, I was Clark Kent, now I'm Superman. Well, I read a verse. Change me, God. But instead, it's more like caterpillar in a chrysalis. Caterpillar doesn't say, all right, coming out. I went in and I come out the other side, just like that. Imagine how boring it must seem <laughs> to, to be in a chrysalis, <laughs> to be in that cocoon for all that time. There's this book that my kids like called The Very Hungry Caterpillar. And in this book, this caterpillar is so hungry, and he eats, and he eats, and there's all these holes, right? All these holes. He's eating this delicious food. And then he starts building this house for himself. And it takes time. And he's creating a moment for himself to be changed. He's been hungry, and he's been filling himself up with the food that will sustain and change him. Doesn't sound as fun as eating a sausage and a, and a cupcake and a strawberry and a piece of pie. It's gonna take a lot of time to just sit there in that dark cocoon by himself and be changed. At the, at the heart, at the, at the beginning point of all of the disciplines, and certainly of this practice of meditation, is a hunger for God. 
is a desire, is a seeking him. And as we seek him and we seek to learn and grow from his word and be shaped by it, we will find that we're carrying it with us all the time. And as we go into that cocoon, we'll find ourselves coming out a different person, transformed, shaped by it. Richard J. Foster, in his book on the disciplines, says, When we despair of gaining inner transformation through human powers of will and determination, whenever you reach that point where you say, I've been beating my head against the wall trying to change this thing, and it is not happening. He says, that's an opportunity. I have found this to be true. That's an opportunity, a realization that the needed change within us is God's work, not ours. The demand is for an inside job where God works. So does that mean we sit around and wait for God to zap us? No, that's the point of the spiritual disciplines is that we do what God says and he works within us. Uh, Philippians 2 verse 12 says, to work out your salvation, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work within you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We do these practices when we draw near to him actively, intentionally. He comes and works and does all that he has promised he will do. So how do I start meditating? We chose a passage. And we're going to take it with us, and we're going to ponder it day and night. So the first thing we might do is say it. The first place in the, the book, in, in the whole Bible, that we read this word, meditate, Hagah, is in the first chapter of Joshua 1. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Joshua here. Jeff in the side room before we started in the little leadership talk, talked about the end of the book of Joshua, where Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And he has led this people. But at this point, his mentor has just died. And he is about to take on. He, is, he knows his job. He knows he now has the shoes of Moses to fill in a way. And how overwhelming a task that much must be. And so God says in verse 8 of chapter 1, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. That's an interesting pairing. It won't depart from your mouth. You're going to meditate on it day and night. Maybe indicating that out loud reading and thinking and repeating and memorizing, perhaps also the conversation with others, which is part of meditating on the word. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The, the main idea is we're going to think about it. 
but here's an activity you could try. This helps me a lot. Say, say the verse. Write it down on a card or memorize it. And constantly repeat it to yourself out loud. There is something about saying things out loud that creates a focus that we sometimes have a hard time doing, having when we're just letting our thoughts drift. I would encourage you to emphasize different words as you go through it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I shall not want. You know, take the time to think about what each of these things means. What I'm encouraging you to do is spend time with God by spending time with his word, really engaging it. It helps me sometimes to think about it and to imagine it, to see the pictures, to see it. You know, the Lord as a shepherd, what does that mean? Think about those still waters and those green pastures. Maybe you think about yourself doing the commandment you're meditating on. Visualizing things. We're such a visual people, most of us. Visualize what these things might mean. Turn it into a prayer. You can pray it. Lord, be my shepherd. Lord, I pray that when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you would be with me. That I would have courage and faith in you, that you are with me. But at its core, the result of all Bible meditation, the whole point, where it's leading, is to change not only our behavior, I mean, not only our heart, but also our behavior, that we obey it, that we do it. Remember this, this passage, this first place that we think that we find this word about meditating. It says, be careful to do according to all that is written in it. It's inseparable from meditating. You're thinking about it, not so you can think interesting thoughts, but so that you are, have it more readily available to practice obedience, doing hearing and obeying at the heart of meditating on the word of God. And then notice what he says as the result. Why? What's the benefit? Well, you're going to be prosperous. You're going to have good success. But more than those things, what did Joshua need? More than just knowing you're going to conquer Canaan. He needed to know God was with him. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When we take the word with us, when we meditate on it day and night, and when we're careful to do it, the Lord God is with us. We have encountered God. We have called on God to walk with us. We are abiding in Jesus Christ as we are abiding in his word. He is with us. He is with you as you draw near to him. Psalm 1 beautifully states that same idea of prosperity in this beautiful picture. 
that idea of delighting and meditating on God's word all the time, bringing this fruitful tree, this tree that's planted by the water. A, a tree out in the desert doesn't have the nourishment it needs. It's like this. But a tree whose roots are soaked in the living waters of God, it's going to flourish. It's going to be fruitful in season. It's going to bear its fruit. It's not going to wither. It's going to be prosperous. It's going to be successful in the work that God has given. So I encourage you to think about your verse this week, to put it to practice, because that's the point. Meditate on the word constantly. And I invite you, if you have not obeyed the Lord, or if perhaps you have been baptized into Christ once and have wandered away and have not been walking with him, doing everything according to, to how you know he wants you to walk, and you need strength and support, you need our prayers, you want to confess to your brethren, if we can be of service to you this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing.